put the kids to bed and throw another batch of evidence on the fire. It's episode 45 of Welcome to the Hit Show. This week's guests include a distant cousin of Jerry Garcia throwing a handful of nickels at a Ford F-150, a halftime break for performative weeping, and a memory. I was I was in a trance at the melody, descending and dissonant, all quarter and eighth tone increments. I marveled at a beauty which I could never conceive, much less replicate. It might as well have been the song of angels, so glad was I to have a recording. And then I awoke. A sick dread filled my chest as I realized the melody was trapped in my head. I had neither the voice nor the ability to set it free, and so I sat helplessly in a silent room and listened as it repeated its call its cry for escape. As the sleep dissipated like oxygen, the chamber grew quieter. I heard the melody fade, now whispering its name, begging for release. And then I heard it die. Welcome to the hit show. What an uplifting way to start the show, and then it died. Emily, I, I, I wish you could see right now. Um, this is a rare occasion where Heather is at home, my wife Heather is at home, and I'm just watching her stare at me and shake her head, and I feel like you guys are probably making the exact same facial expression. And, wow, right she, she and I, kin, kindred spirits, we're on the exact same page. Yes. Um, bless her heart, though, she lives with you. Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, totally no, you only have to do this totally for a half an hour a week. <laughs> She's stuck with you 24-7. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, well, nonetheless, here we are again, episode 45, episode two of, like, serious season two. Yeah. Um, I We've now switched role reversal. I'm here in surprise. You are back in the DF dub. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll start with some super sobering news about what happened. This is Tuesday, so on Monday. No, this is Monday. Days are confused. This is Monday on Sunday. Yes. Um, something really not good happened um, in the first inning of the Rangers game against the Dodgers in surprise. Um, and it's funny. So going in, there was a lot of questions about the lineup, like, you know, Willie was Willie hitting thir- third. Um, and, you know, I asked Woody kind of just like lineup structure in general, you know, your lineup structure at this point in the spring, where is it at? How are you, you know, what are your thought processes and where you're putting guys all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, there is some certain factors like, you know, putting guys at the top of the lineup that we want to see more at-bats from. Um, some of it's performance-based. Some of it, you know, like in this case today, it's we want – I definitely wanted to make sure Willie got a chance to see um, – he faced his former team as much as possible. Yeah. And so very strategic on his part, wanting to, to get Willie out there, kind of showcase what he's been able to do, the development that he's made since – the U Darvish trade uh, a couple of years ago, and then to see what happened, you know, him taking a 90 mile an hour, 95 mile an hour fastball, um, basically square to the cheek jaw area. Um, the sound it made was just, I mean, made you sick to your stomach. Um, and then he just immediately hit the deck and you didn't know at that point, like what, 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 what happened? Where did it hit? We couldn't figure out where it hit in the beginning. 
And then you go back and see the replay in slow motion and it hit him just flush, uh, in the face, not, not hitting nothing else before. And it was almost like the way, if you watch the replay, the way his head snaps back, he didn't see it coming. I mean, it's, it looks like he just got laid out by, you know, Mike Tyson. Like it was unbelievable. I had the same thought. It looked like somebody taking a punch and in like a heavyweight boxing match where you just see their legs, their knees buckle. And I mean, he looked, it looked really scary. And I think that's what was most jarring to me. I mean, granted a jaw, that's a terrible injury. I was so concerned about the, the violent nature with which his head got snapped back and the long-term effects of that. Like it, it was, like I said, I mean, it was jarring and he was down on the ground for so long. Um, you know, and there's concern going through the dugout. Um, the guys are coming over to, I've got a monitor there. I'm connected to the dugout. I've got a monitor there. They're all coming over trying to see what happened. Um, you know, everybody's super concerned. And then, you know, the time just keeps going by. And then you kind of, I, I all of a sudden kind of hear like left field line, left field line, which means they were bringing the card out. Yeah. And so then they bring the card out and then we find out he's going to be taken to the hospital in Phoenix. Well, then, you know, not five minutes later, you hear this helicopter coming overhead. And so I looked at the there's a police officer in the dugout at all times and. I, he looked at me and kind of nodded and I was like, Oh shoot. And he said, yeah, he said, honestly though, it's, it's kind of standard procedure that if it's, they consider any sort of head trauma, kind of a level one, uh, reactionary yeah. procedure. And so that's how they respond is, um, with that to get him as quickly as possible to Phoenix. And they designate, I guess that this has probably happened before or they have planned for it to where one of those back fields is designated as a landing area for um, a helicopter in, you know, in the case of someone needing to be care flighted um, to Phoenix. And so, you know, they load him up. Uh, Woody goes with him. I don't know if J.D. was with him in the helicopter, but I know that J.D. went to the hospital. Um, and then, you know, we find out that it's a fractured jaw. Uh, I don't think any official statement has been made at this hour, but from what I'm hearing, it's six to eight weeks. Um, so you're talking, you know, a significant chunk of time for a guy that you had penciled in in your outfield and not even penciled in, pinned in uh, pretty yeah. much in your outfield and as a, as a relatively big bat in your lineup somewhere there in the middle. So, you know, obviously, first and foremost, you hurt for Willie because of all that he's been through in the last couple of years, the ups and the downs, how hard he's worked, the disappointments, the bouncing backs and all that to where you finally seemed poised to start a season with a, a job, yeah. a big league job. You know, everything was kind of set up for him. And then this happens. Yeah. Yeah. And just to hear him even this offseason talk about how he his mindset has changed as far as I think what he... I'm paraphrasing here, but he, what he said was something along the lines of if they ask me to go work out in the freezing cold and just a pair of shorts, then I'm going to do it. Like I'm, they've earned that trust and I am doing whatever they ask. And he seemed bought in. The team seemed, uh, bought in for him at left field. And, and man, it just, like you said, each of the last two springs have ended in disappointment where he came to camp thinking, you know, in 2018, he came to camp thinking like, yeah, I, obviously they, traded you Darvish for me. I'm going to be in the big leagues. And then he didn't make the team. And then last year he dropped, you know, 24 pounds Had this entire life revolution and expected, all right, I did everything they asked me to do. Now I'm going to be in the big leagues. And he got sent down again. And we had that scene play out where he was like sitting out on the berm. Um, so for this, you know, finally, finally he gets to the point where he's the guy. And, uh, and then for this to happen, it's just, it's, it's always, 
really scary to see an injury like that, and it's always heartbreaking for guys when they're going to miss a lot of time. But, man, it, there's just an extra weight to this one of, like, good grief. Could this kid, like, have something go his way for all the work that he has put in? Um, and then, so, yeah, I mean, that obviously his, his health is the most important thing. But then, obviously, on a baseball podcast, the, the next thought is, like, okay, so what are the Rangers going to do? And... I'm sure, you know, I think as we're recording, Chris Woodward hasn't spoken to the media just yet. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, what are, what are they going to do in left field? That's been a, a kind of a gaping hole for them since, uh, since David Murphy left. They- yeah. And I think too, you know, it's a question you brought up early in the spring, um, was can Nick Solak play center field? Yeah. Right. And so would, would, in my, my, like just thinking super simply and super, you know, just kind of like process of elimination. Do you just, do you put him over there? I mean, I feel like if you have, isn't, is, is it, or maybe I'm drawing too many conclusions. I would assume that center field is the most difficult of the outfield positions to play and requires the, the largest skill set. Yeah. And so, so maybe could you then just slide him over, especially considering his, you know, being able to play that, that left side at third base. So when, when Chris Woodward was talking to us about this, he said as as a middle infielder, which Solak was, he came up as primarily a – he started at shortstop, but primarily a second baseman. He said it's actually easier, he thinks, to play center field because you're seeing the ball. It's easier to get the get a good break and get a good read on the ball because you're still looking at it from basically the same position. Um, moving over to one of the corners, it can be tricky learning to get reads, and really that's the biggest thing. He Solak has the speed and the ability to like get to the ball – he has that those raw tools. He just needs to learn how to get good reads on the ball. So I don't know if moving to left field, I mean, that seems the most logical conclusion to me as well, but I don't know if, I'm sure he's definitely going to get some reps out there in the next couple of days so they find out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that will complicate matters at all. I mean, the other option is that uh, Adolis Garcia is having a really good spring. He seems to have I mean, a small sample size, but seems to have fixed some of the things that the Rangers were concerned about with his uh, with his strikeouts. He was moving his head too much, and he had too big of a kick. And they've they've adjusted that to a toe tap, and he seems to be responding really well. So maybe he ends up in left field. Um, I think that's at least an option. Or do you go out and get someone? Yeah, Yasiel Puig is still I a mean, free agent, and right? At this point, okay. Oh, okay. That's. Well, that that adds a whole dynamic, right? Yes, I mean, the dynamic you're not of just fun. Just talking about, I know, but yeah, I mean, and I <laughs> listen, yeah, as a player, like, but you're talking about, I mean, you bring in a guy like that, it it alters the dynamic of the clubhouse, For sure. right? I mean, and that's something that I will say. It, listen, I've been here like 48 hours, but that's something that to a man, everybody's talking about the open communication the fact that everyone's kind of on the same page yeah. uh, conversations the guys are having that they may not have had before um you know i think there was a tendency that there was a bit of um oh how do i put the right word not walk not um not walking on eggshells but just kind of attentiveness that surrounded this club especially last season with the departure of adrian beltrate that there was just kind of this you know, a bit of a looking around who's, who's running this show. What are we, you know what I mean? Yeah. To where that's that they made a point of it this season to be like, okay, we're not going to do that. If we have issues, we have to, we don't have that dominant 
personality, that dominant leader that Adrian was, and we probably aren't going to have it. And right. so instead of just kind of getting in these small groups and talk, bitching about things, about other guys, about other things, whatever, we're going to talk about them mano a mano. We're going to talk about them collectively. And I think that's been a huge, like a point of emphasis for this team. Yeah. Um, and people, like I've said this a million times, people poo poo the whole chemistry aspect and blah, blah, blah. They're like, just go out and effing play and whatever. And that's fine. But if you, let me just tell you, having been around this game for 15 years and been in that clubhouse for 15 years, it absolutely matters. And so I think that's a huge thing for this team getting out of that state of tentativeness that they were in last season and really being able to have open, honest conversations with each other and as a group. And if you put in a guy like Yasiel Puig, does it alter that? Yeah, maybe. And I mean, I guess it's all theoretical. You just you want the... fun times. Yes, yes, that you is. You just want fun times in the clubhouse. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't disagree. I want, I want I don't, fun times. I like fun times too. I but I also see... want fun harmonic times. Like I want harmony. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I do too. And I don't you can know make that, the argument that. It, I don't know that that's happening. Yeah, you're probably right. And if it were going to happen, it probably would already have happened. But. You could, I guess, make the argument that this clubhouse is in a much healthier place than it was last year, and maybe that's just the sort of environment sure. Mr. Puig needs to thrive. Okay, and um, I, help me on my timing. He, uh, Woody was there when oh, yeah. Puig was was in L.A. Yes. So he would have, if he brought him in, you would have to think that that Woody has every confidence that he's not gonna he's not gonna stir the pot. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So that's a that's a good thing. It's not like you're talking about someone who has no experience personally. With, right. with Yasiel right. You and I so can talk about it in If they theory. were to bring him in, I would. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Woodward has that in, in-person experience. So if they do bring him in, it will be, be because he gave a full green light for sure. Right. Think, yeah. It's a long shot. So that makes me feel happen, better. But, you know, you do what you can do to try to make the fun times happen. Yes. Um, so one more update on Willie. I do know that he's going to be transferred from – he was at St. Joseph's. Yeah. He's got to be transferred – because the same uh, surgeon who did the surgery on Luke Farrell yes. is going to do it on him. And so he does not have privileges at that hospital. So he'll be oh, wow. transferred before they have the surgery, I would assume, as we are talking on this Monday, either today or tomorrow on Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, and if you're looking for a you – know, listeners are looking for like, oh, so how much time is he going to miss? When you hear six to eight weeks, you're like, oh, okay, well, he could be back by, you know – Six or eight weeks from now, and that's that's not the case. There's going to be rehab. There's going to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the getting your hitting timing back. If you miss six weeks of hitting, then you are definitely going to need some time. And Luke Farrell didn't get into a game, so his his injury last year was on March second. He did not get into a rehab game until July. I believe it was twenty third. Yeah, and you're talking about too the psychological effects of taking a ninety five sure. mile an hour fastball, and then getting back up there and like, facing just, a ninety five yeah. mile an hour fastball. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, let's do it again. You know. Yeah. So that's going to be. Um, it's going to be a while. I mean, I think we're probably looking at yeah. at um, late July would be my best guess, but we we won't know until we hear what the, you know, how, how the surgery went and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, tough deal for Willie Calhoun. Yeah, um, let's. So while we are on very uplifting topics, we had a the death of a melody. We had uh, the Willie Calhoun story. Um, are we going to be playing baseball in – well, not you and I. Are the Texas Rangers going to be playing baseball in Seattle on March 26th, as has been the plan all along? Or is something – I mean, we're, this is all speculation, but let's speculate. 
what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it looks good. Um, I, I think that we will be playing baseball. I don't think it will be in Seattle. Um, and this thing is so fluid that literally every day it changes. And I go into, you know, I went into Josh Shelton's office yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, uh, Josh Shelton, who's the, um, traveling coordinator for right. the team. And he, you know, he's like, you know, we've got, we're in Seattle, you know, and Sorry, within a mile my, of our hotel. Sorry, you can, that's the oh, dishwasher. My dishwasher has a song oh. that it sings when it's done washing the dishes. A happy little Isn't shanty. That lovely. A little sea shanty that's that it awesome. sings to tell me that the dishes are clean. Sorry. Okay, carry on. Josh Good Shelton. For you. Yes. Um, yeah, so w- apparently within a mile of our hotel, the team hotel we stay at, uh, there are three buildings that are completely shut down. Uh, one of them being a Starbucks reserve, I think. And then I think he said Google or the Google building. And then there was one more. I can't remember what he said, but there's three buildings within a mile of our hotel that are completely shut down. Um, so it's just like, you know, we were planning on, he was planning, he was trying to plan this huge team dinner on our off night for the whole entire, entire traveling party where we were going to rent out like this, the top floor of the space needle and everybody that was, you know, on the trip after that off day, everybody go have this great dinner. He's like, well, that's clearly out. Like the biggest tourist attraction in Seattle. Yeah. The last thing we're going to do is run everybody up there to have some dinner. Oh um, gosh. so it just, I mean, they're just, yeah, they're getting updates, you know, on a daily basis to try to figure out. And it's just such a fluid motion. I don't think baseball wants to completely alter this season, but I mean, I just don't see that there's, I mean, especially as rapidly as it's developing, yeah. um, you know, the first case in North Texas just got, I guess it's a presumptive case in Frisco that just came down within Dang the last it. hour. As I was we wondering when this right was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, they said Frisco. And so it's just like, it's just constantly changing. And so, you know, out here, there are teams that are saying we're not, our players are not signing autographs, period. Right. Um, and for, for the Rangers, they've said, look, it's up to you. You know, they, I think they've made contingents to where they, they put out balls that are just signed and they're like handing them, somebody else is handing them out. You know, I, they're doing things to try to appease the fans because obviously you don't want to take away from that experience. Right. But at the same time, it's starting to become, and you also don't want to be like too reactionary. But at this point, it's like, it's starting to become like, okay, well, is this thing spinning out of control? Right. You know, um, so it's just kind of this, you're, you're just trying to, to do the, the right thing without overreacting. Um, but at some point in time, there's going to have to be some decisions to be made as to where these games are going to be played, if they're going to be played, all that kind of stuff. And I think the, 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 I guess the biggest or most popular way of thinking is if we don't play in Seattle, that we would likely play here yeah. in Arizona, yeah. perhaps in Peoria, where it's, they're a little bit more equipped to handle a major league game. Um, so we would go home and then come back here and play those games against the Mariners. That is just. But then what they've I was got they have three more on top of that. Yeah, they've got three more on top twins, of right? the, on that. Yes, and so I would assume whatever we do with the Mariners, the the Twins would do the same thing. Um, and then at what point? I mean, how many teams are you know how many teams are having to adjust this way? Is it the yeah. Yankees and the Mets also because of that concentration? You know, what about the you know the the, uh, the 49ers. What about mm-hmm. the Giants? Um, you know, since it's, you know, it's the Angels. I mean, what it's. Are we going to get an entire season of Cactus League? Of just like Cactus League? Yeah, and, basketball, and, baseball, uh, yeah. Grapefruit League? And you have to come yeah, to Arizona I don't or know. Florida I for mean, every game. But this is the deal, too. I'm like, you can't post, but you can't. I mean, what are you going to do? Delay the start of the season and then you're playing 
baseball in December? Like, right. we can't, you know, it's just like at some point, do you, you reduce that? I you don't know. I mean, there's just a, I'm, there's a million different scenarios and apparently they're trying to go over them on a daily basis oh and adjust gosh. accordingly. Just, uh, I know this yeah, is not about me. I know this is not about me, but let me just make it about me for 30 seconds. Three times a year I get to visit Seattle and if I, after spending weeks and weeks in Surprise, Arizona, have to miss a Seattle trip to just go right back to Arizona, uh, I'm going to – I don't know what I'm going to do with that information. I'm I know, and I love, I love Seattle. I love Seattle too, but Seattle in late March, early April is brutal. It's so effing cold. I know. And I'm it's not like good at cold. scarf weather, and you wrap another scarf around uh, your mouth. Not, and you, no. It's great. No. Awesome. Get a little rain on. and – yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, the thing is, you know, I've been kind of poo poo, not poo pooing it, but I've been like, everybody needs to chill. And I think too, it, I mean, because the numbers are still, if, relatively speaking, if you look at them in comparison to the flu or whatever, they're still, you know, it, it's still not that bad. But I think the thing that is scary is how it is kind of sort of growing exponentially by the day. Yes. Um, and that is scary. So I, I'm, I have not stocked up on, sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. But I am starting to think this is going to affect my life at some point in some way. Yeah, I think it will. And you hear people go, Oh, well, there are so many more cases of the flu and more people have died from the flu. And like, yeah, that's because we're near the end of flu season and we are getting the final numbers in. Whereas with this thing, it is both more contagious and the death rate is significantly higher as far as we can tell. Um, we are still in the early days of this. And so, yeah, you're right. At some point, it's going to affect all of us. Uh, it's just a matter of when and how and um, I don't know. It's not I, – I also do not advocate panicking um, ever in my life. I mean, we could have an asteroid on the way to Earth and I'd be like, okay, well, we got 20 hours left to do whatever we're going to do. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it is very much like trying to figure out the contingency plans is not a fun – not a fun thing. And um, – yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like it's what's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone wash your hands and is what I mean. don't touch your face. Yeah. I never realized how much I touch my face. It's I'm, I'm touching it right now. As a matter of fact, like it is, I, I pretty much live with my hands super glued to my face. So this is going to be a big life adjustment for me, Emily. I'm, I'm not ready for this. Best of luck. Thanks. Best of luck with that. I think we're, we're within our window of acceptable, um, acceptable things let's let's come up with one uh good story to finish the to finish the podcast we've had a lot of bummers let's end some let's end with something positive what's something good that you have noticed in rangers camp in your time there i think the first thing i noticed one of the first guys i saw when i went to the clubhouse when i got here was elvis and he looks way way fit like way in shape he's dropped i went up and i was like dang man how much you look slim and trim and he said yeah and I said, how much have you dropped? And he said, 15 pounds. So he's lost 15 pounds. And I asked him how he did it. He said, basically just trying to eat better. He cut out red meat. He eats. He said, I may maybe have a cheat meal like once a week where he'll have red meat or whatever. And then he said, really, in the evenings, he's been focused on eating super light um, salads, all that kind of stuff. And just really, you know, trying to clean it up in terms of his diet. And so, you know, and he had gotten to the point where, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't necessarily big by any stretch, but he just wasn't, you know, I mean, let's be real. Like you hit 30, um, and shit's harder to keep in, in line. Yeah. And so I think that it's just taken him a little while to, to figure out like how to 
keep his body um, in playing sh- in the best playing shape that it can be in. So he looks fantastic. Um, he sounds great. He knows how big this season is for him, and I think that he, you know, really made it a priority and took it seriously. The fact that you know if his body's going to hold up and if his if, if he's going to get the most out of his body as he gets older, he's going to have to change some things. Um, and he really did that, and he looks he looks incredible. Um, and so it's it was I was glad to see that because you see how seriously, yeah. you know, he is taking this season. And I think in the same regard, maybe not necessarily like physically, but the reports you get on Rubnet Odor, um, just about how receptive he's been to everything, how seriously he took the off season, um, how much work he put in. Uh, how he is absolutely willing in, in, to do whatever it is they think is best, you know, for him, for his swing, all that kind of stuff. Um, he seems to be in a really good place. I mean, and granted, it's spring. I feel like most people are in a good place. Um, but I felt like, you know, just in my conversations with those two guys, that was, you know, super, super encouraging. And then obviously, for the love of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Yeah. I mean, Wow. Um, and good for him. I mean, it's like we talked about, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Like, I mean, the dude, like, he's got a little bit of a chip. Like, mm-hmm. I need to show what I am. And I just think he was so bogged down last season with trying to be a catcher. Like, that's, talk about getting thrown into the fire. Like, oh, hey man, you're used to playing third. How about, uh, or shortstop? How about getting behind the plate? Like, that's just, that's a lot. And how about doing it at the big league level? Like, yeah. that's just insane. And so I think he feels freed. I think that, the coaching staff made a huge, huge priority to let him know, like, dude, we, that, we, that, that was on us. Last season was on us. And mm-hmm. we, you know, that's, we put you in a position we probably shouldn't have. Just, you know, we know you're not an everyday player right now, but don't put pressure on yourself. Like, just play free. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been their biggest message to them. And I think that he really has done it. And I think the fact that he doesn't have to worry about the catching aspect, learning a staff, knowing how much they're depending on him, all that kind of stuff, he can kind of let that stuff go and just get back to the player that he knows he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point in time, I mean, maybe can Isaiah play left field? Maybe. I mean, it's like... The, yeah, I mean, the, but the dude, I mean, he's swinging the bat like nobody's business. It's unreal. Yep. So, I mean, and that, that, so that's super encouraging. My question, honestly, would be, can Greg Bird play left field? Because if that's the case, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa can be, and, and I know this is a word that Chris Woodward overuses, but I, I hopefully rarely do. He could be an elite defensive third baseman. And so if you do that, move Todd Frazier over to first and Bird could play left field, you might solve all of your problems at one time. That is uh, well. Maybe that's an option. I, I mean, I don't know. They I'll may. Flip that out there. They may have said to Bird, "Hey, you know, we want to keep you healthy. We're just going to keep you at first base. That might be where their their head at is at with him." But that would make sense. And I know you didn't have the numbers in front of you when you were bringing up these three players, but I, I looked at yesterday's box score. At the end of play yesterday, Elvis Andrews is hitting four sixty two for the spring. He has an OPS of ten twenty. Uh, Isaiah kind of. Isaiah Kiner Falefa is hitting 419 with a 1290 OPS, and Rugnet Odor is hitting 346 with a 1090 OPS. Obviously, these are all very small sample sizes, and obviously, having a strong spring does not necessarily mean that's going to translate to the regular season, but it is certainly better than having a crappy spring. It's better than having a shitty spring. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Exactly. So, okay. yeah, we ended well, on a good note. We as did the world it. turns, as the coronavirus develops, Yep. Um, we will, we'll, we'll check in and keep everybody posted. Always follow our Twitter handles. Emily Jones McCoy for me and you are at 32 Ephus. 
Next week, I will, we're going to switch spots again. I'm going to be in Arizona. You'll be back here. We will high-five in the air on the way. and Well, not actually high-five. We'll elbow bump on the in the air on the way. Oh, yes. Since that's what we're doing as a society now. And, uh, yeah. Have yes. a good one. We'll see you guys all, all right. next week. Sounds like a plan. Later, taters. Later, taters.